0: If you were following along with how things unfolded in Victoria this past week, the past few days, you wouldn't be the only one who maybe did a double take when you heard some of the comments and quotes that came from the the speaker. And there are still many, many questions as to what is happening with uh, investigations taking place at the legislature and uh, many, many other things. We've reconnected with Vaughn Palmer with the Vancouver Sun. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. Do we have any better idea as to what's happening as far as the investigation, the allegations, uh, what's happening at the legislature? Yeah, the speaker
1: in this kind of free-form performance that he turned in the other day in that committee room uh, against the legal advice he'd been getting, so he, he... blurted out a number of things in his frustration, uh, gave us a couple of ideas that we didn't have already. And the first, and I guess the most significant, is that he says these concerns came to his attention right after he became Speaker in September 2017. So he has known about this for 14 months. And he says that the problems that are there have not been fixed for years. So that Tells us that whatever came to his attention, and however it came to his attention, he believes this problem has been going on for some time, presumably under the previous speaker, perhaps under a couple of previous speakers. There's been some turnover in that job over the years. So that's pretty serious stuff, and of course, it raises a couple of immediate questions. The first one is why. Why 14 months if he, he says these concerns are so great, Jill, that we need a forensic audit of everything there and that when British Columbians see the details, they'll throw up. These are really serious stuff. So why, does, uh, why if it's that bad, does it take almost 14 months before the Speaker moves to put these two officials on administrative leave and have them be escorted from the building by police. I mean, you'd think if it's that serious, if it's vomit-inducing problems that have been going on for years, you would have taken action sooner. So I don't, he, he certainly raised an issue there. He also dropped a couple of hints about the nature of the thing. So, you know, we're not supposed to talk about it because it's in the hands of the police and there's special prosecutors and you don't want to interfere with that, but you know, Daryl Plekus, who knows what this is all about, because he seems to have been the original whistleblower on all this. Um, he says so. There's a spending issue there that he he's concerned about, a financial thing. But he also said this is really interesting. He said there's a there's a workplace environment issue that he felt needed to be dealt with too. Now he didn't say anything more about what that is, but one of the things, Joe, we've been trying to figure out is why two special prosecutors. So normally, when We have uh, something under investigation, even if there are several people, if it's the same related offense, uh, one special prosecutor, there's two here. So, you know, you hate to speculate too much, but they've kind of invited speculation by not telling the public what the hell is going on here. So. I'm going, well, you know, maybe that's why there's two special prosecutors, because there's really two sets of allegations that are being dealt with here.
0: And he's making the comments, too, which I found a bit odd in that there there is an ongoing investigation, but he's saying it as though it's fact.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there there is an ongoing investigation, because the police have, uh, you know, special prosecutors in there, or have asked for special prosecutors and have them, but he then swings around and says he wants immediate, right away, forensic audits of the office of the clerk and the office of the sergeant at arms, those are the two officials sent on leave, and and of the office of the speaker. Now, again, it, it, it flies in the face of the government line on all this, Is we can't possibly talk about any of this, because there's a police investigation and and special prosecutors you don't want to interfere with them well can you conduct a forensic audit of all this when by the speakers own indication the investigation and the special prosecutors To some degree, overlap with that effort. I mean, he's the one who's told us that this all arises out of his original concerns 14 months ago. Um, so again, I, you know, I don't know how all this works out, but the speaker anyway wants another meeting of this legislature committee. Uh, He wants it in January, and he wants to get these forensic audits underway because he says it's absolutely critical, important that the public learn about all this. He says people want disclosure, and boy, they're going to get it.
0: Is there a concern, though, that a forensic audit would overlap with, if the investigation is looking at spending, you would think there would be something similar that would be either part of the investigation or there would be something similar to a forensic audit? Yeah, I
1: I have to think that among the people people that are wringing their hands over Daryl Plekis' performance on uh, the other day, you know, and the media was very happy, right? (laughs) He gave us a lot of stuff to write about and talk about. They let the TV cameras in, so you had TV. If people want to know everything that was said, there's there's a transcript of the whole meeting now posted on the parliamentary website, the B.C. legislature website. The audio of the meeting is there, so, you know, people can listen to it also. In terms of serving the news media, it was great, but... You know, the special prosecutors, I can't imagine they're all that happy about this. Uh, The government house leader, Mike Farnworth, was in the room, and he kept trying to remind the speaker that you're not supposed to be talking about this stuff. He kept interrupting to say that. Got nowhere. The speaker kind of went, yeah, 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 but I got a few more things to say, and then he said them. And meanwhile, the speakers knew special advisor, former Attorney General, former Judge Wally Opal's in the room, and I gather from my colleagues who were sitting next to him, that uh, he's kind of rolling his eyes and throwing up his hands in despair as well, because, of course, his first piece of evidence, uh, of advice that he gave to the Speaker was shut up. Mm. Don't talk about this stuff, right? Uh, So it's really, is a strange day. Um, It invited, I think, a whole lot more speculation, and, of course, it has us all going, what's next, and nobody's really sure.
0: Well, that was my next question. So, I guess at this point, are there going to be any other uh, uh, pl- meetings or any other uh, platforms or places where we might get some more information?
1: Yeah. So, the Liberals, their House leader, Mary Polak, and again, if you if you look at that um, that transcript of what went on in that committee meeting, Polak really played the speaker like a fish, right? I mean, she just kept saying, asking him questions, getting him to say more, getting him to say more. He's, frustrated, angry man, and he says a lot, she's now written a letter uh, which the liberals released yesterday to the clerk of the legislature saying, okay, we now have to get all this Cleared up for the next meeting. So there are more meetings of this committee scheduled this month. Whether they'll go ahead is another matter. She says she wants to get it clear how what's going to be the agenda for those meetings. How are we going to deal at the committee with this request by the speaker for forensic audits? And, of course, the Liberals, and and they did this in the meeting, they got Plekus to repeat. He he said it at least three times that if these audits don't vindicate him, he will resign. And so will his other special advisor, Alan Mullen, the the fellow who first told us about all these investigations. So uh, the Speaker has made it very, very high stakes. He's gone all in, as they say, in the realm of poker playing. Um so the liberals are now trying to get the agenda clear for these next meetings because um obviously they want they want all this adopted and written in stone. Um uh, not very happy with the speaker, but they also would like to get all this aired out. He says he wants the public to know what's going on and they're saying, "Okay, let's get it all Uh, signed, sealed, and delivered and happening. I have to think behind the scenes, Jill, that the New Democrats who don't want this happening, they need Daryl Plekis to remain a speaker. They do not want him to resign. And they are concerned about how this might interfere with the police investigation. I have to think the New Democrats are trying to figure out some way to shut all this down. So uh, there's uh, more shoes to drop in
0: this drama. Definitely. And we will wait for the shoes to drop uh... Within the next uh, days, weeks, who knows? Vaughn, thank you so much. Great to chat with you.
1: Okay. Bye-bye,
0: Jill. Time uh, to talk a little education news. And certainly this isn't only happening in North Vancouver, but the North Vancouver School District has decided it's going to start keeping track of when students with uh, different needs and with special needs are taken out of the regular schedule or if they are left out of special events and such, uh, they are going to, well, they're going to keep track of that and know when it's happening. And the trustee who first raised this is Cindy Gerlach, who joins uh, me on the phone right Right now, she's a North Vancouver school, North Vancouver school trustee. Uh, Cindy, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, I should mention as well, we also have uh, Dr. Vince White on the phone with us, uh, North Vancouver District Principal of Inclusion. Uh, Vince White, thank you as well for being here.
2: Uh, good morning, Jill. Hello, Cindy. Good
0: morning. Uh, Cindy, I wanted to start with you because you are the school trustee who first raised this issue. Uh, what are you hearing then from parents and perhaps from students as well as far as uh, inclusion?
3: Well um, I believe for the most part it's you know it, it inclusion works and um, it's where our society is going and what it wants. I think what happens is um, you know there is periodically I hear uh, from parents where you know there may be um, they've been asked to have a longer transition um, into school or um, They've been uh, told they can't attend a particular event for whatever reason. And when BC Ed Access started to uh, survey parents, I thought it would be a good time for our district to, uh, to take data and to actually see um, if this is a trend that is happening in our district. Um, and if it was, then... Um, Where could the, um, like Dr. White's office, be able to put more resources to or to uh, look into it further? And if there isn't a trend, then um, that's also a good thing.
0: And so, Dr. White, I'll bring you in on this as well. And what, what could your office do or what information is your office looking for?
2: I think, Joe, on an ongoing basis, it's something that we want to pay attention to because of the, the whole purpose of the office of inclusive education is to make sure that we are reducing barriers to all of our students in any cases, especially if they're students with complex needs. That we're establishing plans that are making it successful for them to be, you know, fully integrated into a classroom, fully integrated to the programs, to field trips, to have the full experience that all of the students are in our school district do.
0: Is it a staffing? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, go. Sorry, go ahead. Well,
2: you mentioned the staffing piece of it. And, you know, I I wouldn't say that it's a staffing piece. I will say that there are some, there's additional pressures on the system. Uh, One of this is a good thing because of the efforts that we're doing to bring into our classrooms and our school communities, students who in the past may not have had the full experience. So that requires a a high degree of specialization and training. So on an ongoing basis, we're working and recruiting uh, personnel to come in and support those students and and to develop the plans that are going to make those things successful.
0: And Cindy, are you hearing from parents? I mean, would parents be told if their uh, child, say, was removed from a classroom, or if there was a, an instance where their child wasn't included? Is that something that a parent would know about?
3: Um, in some cases, they might know about it. In some cases, they might not know. Um, and in particularly, if you have a child who is nonverbal, then the relationship between home and school is super important because. Uh, the voice for that child is, uh, and as to what's happening within the school, uh, actually falls, uh, in my opinion, to the staff that are supporting that child. So um, it's not necessarily always the case. It may be that a family may find out through other means. So, um, you know, and and I concur with what uh, Dr. White was saying. It's, you know, it really is around um, um, having
0: our kids in um, all opportunities uh, for them. So, yeah. And Dr. White, are there instances or cases where it's it's simply not possible to include everybody?
2: I think what we would find is there are certain occasions, and they are. We're really, Jill, I think we're talking about a very small number of students, in which the nature of their disability creates occasions in which, um, as a result of not being able to self-regulate. Uh, physically aggressive behavior, that there may be a moment in time where we have to take a pause, take a look at the plan, work with the family. What are some things that we can do better? If, uh, and, and as I said, I really want to emphasize that this is a very few students that those occasions occur. And that pause is really meant only to be uh, in the effort of thinking about how can we do things better. And in those instances, we do reach out to families and we want to say to them, let's work in partnership to develop the kind of understanding so that we know that this child can be fully in, in, included into their classroom and those other events that are taking place at the school.
0: And you mentioned staffing earlier, that it's not all staffing, but that must come into play in some cases in that there needs to be more assistance or there needs to be pe- people there that are supervising in, in scenarios where there are more challenges.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things North Van is doing is working successfully in partnership with uh, Capilano University they have an excellent program that graduates uh, support workers with a really advanced skill set. It does really go beyond supervision because these students are entitled to a full educational program. And, and we're looking toward, you know, how are we going to support them in that important transition to their adult life so they're able to have uh, a full and meaningful experience where, that goes beyond their, their experience at school.
0: And Cindy, what will you do with the information? Like you said, hopefully, uh, now that we're tracking it or that you're tracking it, uh, it'll show that may- maybe there aren't a lot of issues. But what do you do with the information once once you've gathered it?
3: I think um, that falls to uh, the operations. So um, once the data is collected, I think it will uh, provide um, better direction um, if there is a need for uh, Dr. White's. Department um, it may uh, provide insight into and again I don't know right but it may provide insight into a particular um, an area within the district it may be um, you know is it just um, a, a, a certain children with certain diagnosis um, does it identify uh, areas of what I would call uh, concerns or weaknesses, because every organization has them, and then what can we do to improve that? Um, it would also, I think, um, draw attention to areas that uh, where there have been great successes for uh, certain types of students that might have aggression or using aggression as um, a form of communication, and what can we learn from that as well. So I think it can work both ways, but I think the data is super important in order for the um, for the direction of the school board to know um, and to be able to support the all students um, because they are part of our school, but they're also part of our society as well.
0: All right. And, and Dr. White, is this something that you think North Van could lead the way in or will other districts, are they doing this or will they look to this as what they should be doing?
2: I certainly hope so. And and I think, you know, as like anything, it's it's important for us to have the, the information in front of us. I mean, there are means that we already have in place to collect some of this data because any student who has a modified instructional day, that should be indicated in their individual education program. But I think part of what we're doing here, and, and this is where I, I look forward to seeing what kind of data comes in, is creating a heightened awareness that any time a decision is being made, let's see why that decision is being made. And then how can we respond to it in ways that improve things over time? And, uh, and, and ultimately, I mean, this, is a, this is really one of the foundational things that our school district stands for. It's a top priority for us, for all of our students to be there.
0: All right. Well, thank you both so much uh, for taking the time uh, to be with us this morning and to talk about this. Very important for uh, parents, not just in North Vancouver, but uh, in schools everywhere. Thanks to you both so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Later on this morning, there is going to be a rally uh, taking place in West Vancouver on the corner of 13th and Marine Drive. And this is all over plans and a proposal to uh, move or change one of the lanes along that section of uh, Marine Drive in West Vancouver. Uh, Let's bring on Nigel Malkin. He is the owner of Malkin Cleaners on Marine Drive. He's also one of the organizers of the rally that is taking place. Uh, Nigel, thank you so much for taking a few moments with us today. Thank you ever so much, Jill. Uh, What is the proposal that is currently uh, on the table for that area?
4: Uh, What was proposed was uh, there was a number of meetings by TransLink and the District of West Vancouver and what they uh, are going to do, and it was point blank uh, from both TransLink and district staff, that they are going to go and ch- close down two lanes of Marine Drive in each direction, t- or oh, one lane in each direction, so two lanes of our four-lane main road that's the main artery through Ampletide and Dunderave, and turn them into bus lanes. Um, this was done with no consultation from the people whatsoever. The school board didn't know. The police department didn't know. None of the merchants knew. Um, no one knew. Uh, apparently, it sounds like council had kind of said to their city staff, uh, why don't you talk to TransLink and just uh, go, go for it? And they announced this. Uh, this is an 18-month long program that uh, the B-Line is being planned for. And just to give you a quick tidbit, in the summertime, the uh, planners for the TransLink were going to shut down the parking lanes in Ambleside. And I pointed out to the Transit uh, represented this, but the parking spaces were actually too narrow for a road line and a bus wouldn't fit. And his comment was, you mean to tell me that you went out and measured them? So my reply was, you mean to say that you didn't? Shame on transit. You, should I
2: say.
0: How long of a, a stretch are we talking about along Marine Drive that if this uh, change was to take place, how long, how long of a stretch would it affect? It's
4: Ten blocks of Marine Drive and a number of those blocks, anything past 18th, Uh, There is no commercial businesses whatsoever. There's actually a park. uh, There is the recreation center. And one of the blocks is basically a residential area um, that has no traffic delays ever. So how this could be even part of the plan uh, is beyond any level of comprehension and sanity.
0: Uh, and there seems to be a, a bit of a, a disconnect or a back and forth in that one of the concerns, and I know you've raised this and others have raised it, is a, l- a lack of or a loss of some of the parking spots along Marine Drive. But TransLink is saying, one of the uh, the uh, spokespeople for TransLink is saying uh, that there are no lanes being closed, saying that customers will still be able to park along Marine Drive. Customers
4: will certainly still be able to park. What, what this is, is actually it's called a, tr- a bus business, and right turn lanes. So people will be able to still parallel park their cars in the parking spaces that are on Ambleside. Um, they'll be able to turn right, but for all intents and purposes, if you go through a traffic to signal, you'll go and get yourself a ticket. Now, I, I know our West Vancouver police, they probably will uh, very haphazardly enforce this because they are very involved in the community, and I applaud our West Vancouver police for everything that they do for us. Um, but the bottom line is, is these two lanes on a main artery will be closed to traffic and just be for buses, right-hand turns, and for people parking actually at the stores. With this proposal, they're going to be putting in some left-hand turn pullovers so that people can get out of traffic and wait for the traffic light to change. This is going to remove, and according to TransLink, it's 15 parking spaces. I'm quite sure once this is actually done, it could be more. Each and every single parking space there is in Ambleside is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to the merchants and, of course, convenience to, uh, to our shoppers in the area. I've had uh, both seniors groups and disabled groups being in contact with me that I now represent um, that are extremely concerned about it that their, members of their groups are going to be unable to go and get down here to go and do their business. Uh, They won't be able to go and do the banking. They won't be able to go out for lunch. They won't be able to get to the hairdresser. And this is a huge, huge, huge concern. And TransLink has not addressed this and have not talked to any of the parties that there are involved.
0: Uh, Is one of your concerns as well that in this particular neighborhood, the uh, the number of people who would actually use a bus or use increased transit is quite low?
4: Uh, I personally, according to TransLink, their numbers are that 21,000 passengers ride this corridor every day. Um, and uh, they won't release any data to me, and apparently it's a data set from many, many years and all kinds of other flubber talk. Uh, I personally counted the buses one day, and I had a friend of mine come in and count buses the other day. Uh, Unfortunately, by noon, we both got so bored because there were so few riders. Fifty percent of all the buses in the morning had less than 10 passengers, and this isn't just in the... uh, Um, opposite flow of traffic. This is also in the rush hour direction of traffic. 50% of the buses have less than 10 riders, including, I believe it was one or two of the articulated buses, Uh, and that's on each day. Also, um, we have uh, where the buses that are needed, which is, I believe it's the 250 that comes from Horseshoe Bay, this bus is completely jammed, and there aren't enough buses. And the bus drivers, I've spoken to bus drivers, there are times where they have to leave people in Horseshoe Bay and they will be waiting one hour for the next bus. This is not providing service that the people need.
0: And TransLink has said that uh, there was a survey done, and this might be the same that you were uh, just referencing, that they did a survey or an online survey, and uh, the respondents to that said that they, they'd like to see the beeline be faster.
4: Absolutely. And I, I, this is not about the beeline. I'm certainly, I'm certainly for any increased transit i'm for things that can certainly get rapid transit around north and west vancouver uh, an east-west corridor is a fantastic idea we have three main hubs of transit in west vancouver we are sorry on the north shore we have fibs exchange down by the second Narrows bridge of course we have lomsdale key with the sea bus and we have park royal right beside the Lionsgate bridge why would the B line go and stop in sleepy dunderave where there are 38 shops There is an elementary school, of course, where these articulated buses will be going by, eight of them per hour in the morning, and there are a few residents, most of whom are old, many of whom, it's one of the richest postal codes in all of Canada, Um, and these people just usually don't take a bus, and I'm quite sure they're not going to be going to FIPS exchange.
0: Uh, This hasn't been uh, decided on at this point, uh, and there's been some talk from some of the councillors that they seem a little bit uh, hesitant about this. Uh, So what are you hoping uh, from today's rally and gathering, what are you hoping uh, to get today?
4: Well, first and foremost, there's a lot of say that this has not been actually um, approved as yet, and I have it from all the people that attended the information sessions that the four representatives from, from TransLink and our two representatives from the District of West Vancouver both looked me and looked the others in the eye and said there is absolutely nothing you can do to stop this. Uh, to which I responded, you just said that to the wrong guy. Um, I'm just a business, businessman in West Vancouver. I'm trying to do my, my business. I've taken an entire week off from my job to go and campaign and canvas for this. I've spoken to every single merchant in Ambleside and or all the ones I could reach. I've spoken to people in coffee shops, in pubs. I've shaken hands with well over 1,000 people. Out of the 1,000 plus people I've spoken to in person, let alone the people I've spoken to on the phone, on Facebook, and via email, not one person thinks that this, the land closures here are a good idea. and most people also don't even think that the B-Line should go to Dundereck. It should just go to Park Royal, turn around and head straight on back to Fibs Exchange. Uh, this is going to be 15 minutes at the route that will be dropping off five or 10 people at best.
0: All right. Any idea how many people uh, you're expecting to be at the gathering today?
4: I have absolutely no idea. But I will say that the, 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 municipal, or the residents of West Vancouver are very upset. I'm, I, would, I would hope that we are going to have hundreds. Uh, there may be as many as a 1,000. Uh, it, it has been a nonstop barrage of phone calls. Um, I've had, uh, as I said, um, community groups who are trying to get people out. The seniors group are hoping to get some people out. So I would expect that if anyone shows up with a walker, those, those heads count as 10. Um, but we're going to have a, a large number of people. City TV are definitely going to be covering us. Uh, I believe other media outlets. I know the Sun and Bob province are coming out. Um, so hopefully it's going to be a really good event. We're going to go and show the district and TransLink that uh, the residents of West Vancouver are not going to go and listen to their agenda. We want transit that's good for the people of West Vancouver. We also want transit that's going to also be good for the people that are from the Sunshine Coast and uh, Vancouver Island that come to Horseshoe Bay and arrive at that hub, and right now people are being left for one hour by the bus because of poor scheduling by TransLink. And just so that you know... West Vancouver Transit is governed, or or their paychecks come from West Vancouver, but the schedule is is dedicated by TransLink. And these people are not coming to West Vancouver. They're certainly not talking to the drivers of West Vancouver's buses. And how do they have a proper pulse on the community? We do.
0: All right, Nigel, we will leave it there. And uh, I'm sure we will catch up with you uh, at the rally today. Thank you so much for taking some time this morning.
4: Thank you so much, Jill, and have yourself a great day. And everybody, please remember, 10.30 in the morning, northwest corner of 13th and Marine Drive. I don't want to be standing a microphone there all by myself, (laughs) shivering. Please come down. Dress up warm. I think we've got coffee for everyone. Come on down. Let's have some fun. It's not some kind of nasty rally. We just want to go and take back our roads.